So we finished, we looked at, um, we looked at Exodus chapter 1 and 2. So it's Moses is born um, and the he's raised by Pharaoh's daughter, grows up in Pharaoh's household, knows how all that stuff works. And um, during uh, those 400 years, he the children of Israel grew and the Egyptians became afraid of them and there came along a Pharaoh that who knew not Joseph. Joseph, the uh, Jacob's Israel's son that, uh, of course, one of the reasons why the children of Israel were there in the first place, he saved all that family and he also saved the Egyptians. Um, a, a civilization that I don't know, without without Egyptian civilization, I don't know where we'd be today because a lot of uh, mathematics and all that kind of stuff came from them. So, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big deal. So we had Moses try to solve the problem on his own by killing one Egyptian at a time. And that didn't work. So he runs away scared to Midian. We talked last week about it. The prophecy had been, or the what was supposed to happen was that they'd be there four years and get out, but there it turned into 440 years. How did that happen? Well, because Moses messed up and had to, we had to wait around for 40 years for him to get straightened out. And here in chapter 3 is where we find out how he starts to be get straightened out. So... Now, Je- now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Okay, so picture this. We know that last week that he comes to Midian and helps these cute girls with all their goats or sheep or whatever it was. Uh, uh, the other shepherds would run theirs off, and the girls got home early, and Dad says, how did that happen? Well, this guy named Moses helped us, and so he, uh, and of course the Midianites are cousins, long distant cousins of the Israelites, so it's kind of family, but uh, he's gone from living in the Pharaoh's household, living like a real prince to being a shepherd. That's a big change, huh? It's different. I mean, a, a whole different kind of life. He's tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Um, I don't, that's Mount Sinai. It's the same place that all the Ten Commandments come from. So he's really out in the wilderness. Um, and I don't think it was called the mountain of God at the time, or maybe it was. Maybe it was a mountain of some, another mountain where other groups met God. Maybe even the priests of Midian. Whatever it was, he, uh, he's there, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. The angel appears in a flame, a fire, in the middle of this bush. We're all I, we're so we're familiar with that, right? Angel of the Lord. What what does it mean if it's L O R D all caps? That means what? Adonai, they'd read Adonai as they were reading it because they didn't say God's name, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. 
they, ne- they wouldn't say that out loud. They would say Adonai when they came to that name uh, because they, they took not taking the Lord's name in vain. They took it very seriously. They never uttered his, his name at all. In fact, nobody even is sure what the vowels are that go in there. We just use Yahweh. Anyway, Yahweh. Okay, the angel appears to him in flame. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, well, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. I've heard a lot of scientific discussions about why the, what kind of bushes could burn, and maybe it, it was a fiery-looking bush, but it wasn't really burning. It, a guy that's lived in the desert for 40 years would not be surprised by a bush that was normal. This was some abnormal, weird thing. I'm telling you, the bush was really burning, but it didn't burn up. Uh, so he looked. Uh, it did, I, I'm going to turn aside and look at that. So when the Lord, we're, we're right here now. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Now, even if it was a fiery looking bush, when it starts talking, you know, that's... <laughs> That's different. Uh, and he said, I'm right here. Then he s- said, then he, God, says, don't draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. We just got back from Korea. Um, y- y'all know anything about in the Eastern countries about your, what you do with your shoes? You take. You don't ever go in the house with them on. Even restaurants, doctors' offices, all kinds of things. You don't wear shoes in there, and it's not. Uh, it's. I mean, they don't have like some weird phobia of shoes or anything like that. That it's just a matter of respect and and honor. And so God says, "Hey, take your shoes off. Maybe we ought to. Maybe that. Maybe that'd help us what if we. They do line them up. Yeah. As you go in. Yeah. They have a little, a little foyer. Every house, every, every house has racks and stuff where and they it's keep. For cleanliness. So, so that you don't, don't bring germs. You don't. Yeah. Then people are walking around barefoot, and it's just weird if you ask me. But anyway, I don't know. He anyway. God says, "Take your sandals off, for the place you're standing is holy ground." And moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Um, wonder why he was afraid to look upon God. He's a consuming fire. He's what? Because what? He's a consuming fire. Okay. Maybe because he's been running from him for 40 years. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, oh, oh. Uh-oh. He caught up You know anything about me, Lord? He hid his phrase. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And, and Moses thinks, oh, yeah, yeah. I had a plan, but it didn't exactly work out. Me too, Lord. I've heard the cry of the taskmaster because of their taskmasters. 
For I know their sorrows. I know their sorrows. Pain. That's what that word is, really. So I've come down. I have come down to deliver them. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses, I can just imagine his elation. He goes, that's what I've been waiting for. I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Jeb- Amorites, Jebusites, Perizzites, Hivites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought you said you were coming down and doing it. Come now, therefore... Right here, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The balloon, all the air just went out of it. Because he thinks, yeah, I, I thought that was a good idea to deliver the children. I had... I was going to do it one Egyptian at a time, but I buried that one Egyptian, and then I was in trouble. They found out. God said, I'm going to, I've come down. Oh, but I'm sending you. Moses said to God, well, okay. But Moses, that's a good place to start. But Moses. There's a bunch of but Moses is in, in this story right here, in, the, in this chap, chapter right now. How many times has I have come down and you get sent? That's the way God does things now. God's got a plan, but you're part of his plan. So, but Moses, verse 11, said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Nothing wrong with that question. It's like a little bit like Mary when she said, Lord, how can this be? I know not a man. He, I mean, because to Moses, this is just as incredible as Mary being pregnant. Yeah, yeah. So that's a legitimate question. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Not only does Pharaoh not care about me, the Pharaoh hates me. I was raised in the household with him. I beat him in foot races all the time. We wrestled. I don't know what that noise it is. It keeps coming out of this. Okay, so... Who am I that I should go? And he, the, there's an answer. So he said, God says to him, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you. This will be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on, the, on this mountain. Okay, picture this. God says, this is how you'll know that I've sent you. This will be the affirmation. When you come back to this mountain with the children of Israel, and we all know that he gets the Ten Commandments at that point and all that kind of stuff, 
Do y'all see a problem, though, with the validation? I mean, this is like you, you get drafted to play for the Dallas Cowboys, and but you're not going to get your jersey until after you win the Super Bowl. How is that going to help people to know that you're the guy if, if that affirmation doesn't come until you, this, is, this shall be the sign that I've sent you after you bring him out. Then Moses said to God, what, Jeff, go ahead. Said, when you do it, you'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me. So Moses says, okay, wait a minute, let me get this straight. So I come to the children of Israel, the, your, own, your own kids, God, your people. When I come to your people, God, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, who, who are you talking about? What's his name? What shall I say to them? Okay, now, uh, when, when he says to him, who am I that I, you should send me? God says, I'm going to be with you. This is a little bit, I mean, this is foreshadowing. Another time when Moses questions what God's plan is instead of just rolling with it. When, in fact, Moses doesn't, the people question when he sent the spies into Egypt and 10 spies come back and say, yeah, there's giants in the land and it's great and all. It is flowing with milk and honey, just like God said over there in Exodus chapter 3. It's, it is like that, but there's giants in the land. And we look like grasshoppers to them, but, but, and so... But the two spies says, but we be well able. This is what God says to Moses. We be, no, hold on. It's all good. We be well able to accomplish this because I'm going to be with you. But Moses, again, says to him, these, first of all, the first question he asks him really is, so, oh, wait a minute, who am I that you send me? Who am I? Now he asks him, who are you? That's not bad questions. Who am I? Okay, and wait, who are you? Then Moses says, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, uh, Moses says, they say, what's his name? What shall I tell him? What's, what's his name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Think about what he's saying. He said, God, and this is still true of God. He transcends any words that you can use to define him. He, can, he can't be compared to anything else. He can't be uh, defined in time. I, I just am. I am. That's all. Tell him I am sent you. You'll say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me saying, 
I've surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I've said that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, the land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice. Then they will heed your voice. That's, that's the plan. They'll heed your voice. And you shall come, and you and the elders of Israel, here's the plan, to the king of Egypt, and you'll say to him, the, the Pharaoh, Lord, the Lord God of Israel, or God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Here's the plan. But I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst. Now, see, that was the plan all the time. It wasn't, plan B wasn't all those plagues. Those plagues were always going to happen from day one. Uh, I will, uh, and I'll strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst. And after that, they'll let you go. And I'll give the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go, that you shall not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her, her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, and you shall plunder the Egyptians. Not like the Vikings plundered. When the Vikings would blow into a town, they'd just take, every, they'd take everything, they'd kill people, they'd beat them up for it all. No. This is going to be different. The Egyptians are going to be giving you stuff and say, yeah, just here, just take it, go. I mean, that's the pictures that he has. You'll plunder the Egyptians this way. They're just going to give up everything to you without a fight. So that's chapter 3. It's a good plan, right? I mean, what more does Moses need? It's a great plan. But Moses answers and says, uh, but, 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 starts out with but again. Just th- going to throw that out there. But so suppose they don't believe me or, or suppose they don't listen to me and they say, the Lord's not appeared to you. Lord said to him, okay, what's in your hand? A rod, a rod, a staff, a, you know, a trekking pole, a hiking pole or something like that. So what's in your hand? A rod. And God says, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. Moses fled from it. That's why I don't tempt God. What? It'd be easier to just go for it and not have to run away from a snake. Uh, the last snake that I ran from, I was stepping out of the pickup and I, I go down out here. And somehow... I don't know how, but I step on air and jump over that snake. I, I mean, it, there was a brick somehow in the air, and I stepped on that stepping stone, and I went about 15, 20 feet over there. I mean, it was the Olympics. But uh, So I know about snakes, and snakes you don't want to mess with, and apparently so did Moses, because it didn't take him long to get away from that thing. I mean, he goes from his stick, and it's funny how he, how Moses is going, yeah, but what about this, and what about that? I mean, he's he's like a 14 or 15-year-old teenager. Anybody, I mean, you remember how that was? Well, do you, but what about, what about this, and what about that? And so it doesn't take him long, though, from his 
stick. He doesn't go, wait a minute, that was just my stick. And what's it? He didn't know. It's like, bam, snake. Um, said, became a servant, and Moses fled from it. And the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. <laughs> now, that's right where I would have argued with God, right there. I said, God, have you ever handled snakes before? Because you don't usually pick them up by the tail. I mean, I actually have seen, I mean, I've seen do that sometimes. But with rattlesnakes, we always grabbed them by the head. I mean, I didn't personally. I always grabbed them with a 410 or a, yeah, a 45 or something like that. That's the only way to deal with snakes as far as I'm concerned. But he says, pick him up by the tail. Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Turns back into his rod. Just a stick. I mean, it's just a stick, right? It was a stick. It's not a stick anymore. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. Okay, it's a stick, right? He said, so that's one. First sign is you're, you're going to throw down your stick and it's going to turn into a snake and you're going to pick it back up and it's a stick again. That's sign number one. Sign number two is put your hand in your bosom, so like Napoleon, like that. Stick your hand in there. And when, he, uh, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. That's not good, y'all. So, uh, and he said, put, it, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, that was sign number two. But if they still don't believe you or heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be. If they don't believe that one, even these two signs or listen to your voice that you shall take water from the river, the third sign, and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. So... There's three signs. That's some pretty good magic right there, right? That should work. That should be all it takes for Moses, and he's ready to go now, right? No. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither, but this is funny. I'd never noticed this before. I've read this hundreds of times. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, I'm not eloquent neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'd never seen that before. I wasn't eloquent before, Lord. I, just in case you think that maybe I'm stammering this way because I'm, I'm in awe of your presence or something like that, like those, song, those choruses that we sing, the songs we sing now, I'm in awe of your presence. No, that's not it. I was this way before, and I'm this way since. It hadn't changed any. I'm still stammering like this. I'm slow of speech and slow, slow of tongue. I think he stuttered. Just maybe his normal way of talking. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. My tongue doesn't always work right. And the Lord said to him, who made your mouth? <laughs> Who makes the mute, the deaf, or the 
the mute, the deaf, the sing, or the blind. So he's talking about talking, hearing, and seeing. I have control over all those things. Have not I, the Lord, made all those? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your, I'll be with your mouth, and I'll teach you what to say. Don't worry about it, Moses. I got you covered. But he said, Lord, please send by the animal whoever else you may send. I don't think he's just trying to get out of talking. He's trying to get out of the whole thing. Let somebody else do it. Have you ever told God that? No, let somebody else do it. Here am I, send Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's availability, not ability, because apparently Moses really didn't have very many abilities. Was this a demonstration to the... Elders of Israel? Not yet. It's, a, it's going to be. What? Because he sent him first to the house of Israel. Right. Before he would go to Pharaoh. Right. He's just still talking with the Lord, though, just by himself. Yeah. All of this is just still with just with God. Yeah. This is, this is, yeah, he's still on the mountain in front of the burning bush. Um, That's not enough. Please send somebody else. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Moses doesn't know how bad that is. Uh, uh, He's made God mad, and he doesn't have any idea. Now, a few years later, he's going to know. And not much long later, he's going to see what God's anger can do. I mean, he's in a heap of trouble, and he doesn't even know it. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said... Uh, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? Now he's become aware of his other family connections outside of the Pharaoh's house. But I, I think of this sounding a little bit like this. Uh, that's how I talk to my kids sometimes. Uh, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. Speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with him. I'll be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I'll teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God's. In other words, he's going to represent God to Aaron. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. So Moses went and returned to Jethro. First he goes back home and he tells Jethro his father-in-law and says, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And now this didn't work out so good for Jacob when he goes and tells Laban that. And I I just wonder if Moses worried that he'd have a hard time getting away. Uh, But Jethro just says to him, okay, Go. And Moses, now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. So he puts, that's probably the next thing that Moses is going to complain about. But Lord, there's people that don't like me there. And, but God tells him, okay, don't worry about this because all the people that were looking for you before because of the Egyptian you killed, they're all dead. 
So you're going to go back and it's going to be okay. Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these, the wonders before Pharaoh, which I put in your hand. But I'm going to harden his heart so that he won't let the people go. You shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. That was a big deal to the Egyptians. Um, For one thing, the Pharaoh, whoever was the Pharaoh, was a son of the gods. He was a deity, and so it was a big deal to them to be the son of a god. Moses tells them that my God that I serve says that his people are his sons. They're like his children to him. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I'll kill your son, your firstborn. So before any of those plagues come along, there's a warning that this is going to happen. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord, this is strange right here that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. After all this, he seeks to kill Moses. Apparently, there's a part of the story here that's left out. The covenant. And there's been some talking between him and Zipporah, and I just, and we don't have that down. I don't know if Zipporah has been aware of how all the stuff works with the Jews before this, but it's likely that Moses was circumcised because he's in the other household for weeks, month, no, three months to begin with, and before he goes to Pharaoh's house. But so I don't know if he tells her on the way, hey, there's this thing that we do with the boys. And she goes, you what? And they're, maybe they're arguing about it or whatever. She said, no, that ain't happening. But God is meets Moses and seeks to kill him. That Something has to have happened because Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you're, my, you're the husband of blood to me, you barbarian. So she, she, wasn't, she wasn't fired up about doing this to begin with. And she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mad at you for a really long time about this. That was his job. Moses is apparently a little bit passive and fearful and not willing to be uh, forthright and deal with a problem head on. So she takes care of it. And he was probably just comfortable where he was. Yeah. With the, with the culture. Just right? staying like everything. Was. Yeah. Just like he was probably comfortable for a long time being Egyptian. Uh and and he was fine for 40 years out in the wilderness in Midian and 
your husband of blood because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So all this is happening, and he's not seen Moses for 40 years. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him. I, I, I guess they met in the middle somewhere, wherever Mount Sinai is. So, uh, so Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs at which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Speaks them to the elders of Israel, the leaders of the people, these two million Jews now, and the leaders of those. He meets with them. How do you think it's going to go with them? I mean, it would be normal for him to say, who, who are you again? Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. You're that Moses that was raised by whoever and, and you lived in the Pharaoh's house for a while? Didn't you kill some Egyptian? I, nope, none of that happens. Uh, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people, so the people believed. Dumb, not right there, Just done. So the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. It would have been 400 years anyway before patriarchs. So, I mean, if you put yourself in their, in their situation... We haven't heard from God for 400 years, guys. Right. No, yeah, nobody's heard from God. You know, they haven't heard from God since the, the dreams that Joseph had that saved him. 400 years, nobody's heard from God. And suddenly there, there's these words and there's these signs that accompany the words. I mean, that's a normal thing is the signs and wonders that come. But God heard them. Yeah. They hadn't heard from God, but God does finally hear them. It reminds me of the Psalms that talk about, um, by the waters of Babylon, we, we sat down and wept, and God hears their cries and delivers them too. So, uh, but whatever, they end up worshiping. And there's no question of the people following him, following him at this point at any rate. We know the rest of the story already because later um, it's not long. Well, it'll be only a little while before the people start belly aching. But that's another part of the story and we'll get to that. We, uh, we're not, we know that the plagues are coming and we may not belabor the plagues, but this is the start, Right? Um, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. That's something that I'd never seen before. And almost fa never fails that when I really study, I see things I've never seen before. I've literally read this passage hundreds of times, hundreds of times, and never seen that before. Um, but this is the beginning. God's always cared about His people. He cares about us now, too. 
He hears our cries. But it's a little different because we got Jesus. Grace, grace, grace. Jesus is the fire in the bush. Um, that the angel of the Lord in the bush was Jesus. Because they only said, "I am." Jesus did himself. Yeah. Um, anytime and it says the angel of the Lord, and it has the angel of Yahweh, that's I think that's Jesus. That's a pre pre incarnate Jesus. So uh, this is our this is some of our foundation. Exodus is, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, so we did two chapters today, and we may do we may skip over some of we may condense we may do a reader's digest version of some of the plagues and all that stuff. All right. God's word is awesome, and it. Uh, imagine what our life would be like without, without God's revelation of Himself to us. I'm always reminded of those poor people on Easter Island trying to get God to respond to them with all the silly, the moai, those heads. Let me pray for us, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your, your revealing yourself to us. Uh, I pray for the Holy Spirit to show us more of who you are, uh, even through these words that are familiar to us, that we've read over and over and we've seen movies. And uh, so we've got pictures even in our mind of, of some of this stuff, but, but there's also things that we miss. Um, even... Even this stuff about Moses tonight, that, that it's an encouragement to us that you don't need perfection. You don't need everything to be just right. Uh, you, you only need someone who is, makes themselves available to you, who yields himself, and, and then you can use us. Um, use us, even this week, to, to bring Jesus to the people around us. Uh, because that's the only way this world is going to change. And Lord, I'm believing it needs to change right now. Give us wisdom in all things and how to, how to speak your word to people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless y'all.